Welcome to the J Train Podcast. This is J Train Jared Freed coming live from the West Village of Manhattan. We're here every Monday with your emails, your stories, your questions, and I say it every episode. Let me say it again. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you for telling a friend. That's how it works. You listen, you tell a friend. Make it your Instagram story. Ooh, I love when you make the show your Instagram story because that is, you know, I like to explain it. That's a non-invasive way. To be like, this is what I like. And then I just trust the nosiness of a human being. People go and look at your story. They go, what's this? I'll take a look. Just like when you post a picture and you tag some friends, everyone's checking out your friends. I don't care. Male, female, they, them, whatever they are, they're going to just see What's up with these people? Because that's what we do. We're a bunch of rubberneckers. When there's an accident on the highway, we slow it down a bit. Let me see if I can see the worst day of someone's life. That's how nosy we are. We want to see the worst day. So even the good stuff people want to see. So post it. Make your Instagram story. Let people know about this great show. I Yeah, I called it a great show, even though it's named after me. That's pretty, you know, confident. But I, you know, I'm confident in the product we're putting out here. I'm, I'm in, I'm introducing you to new comics, and we're taking these emails and different perspectives. And I, I just want to say it's just a pleasure to do this show. So I want you guys to share it. And, and listen, you're probably listening on a Monday morning. Right now, you're going, oh, I gotta go to work. I gotta do, let let put your brain on the shelf for an hour. Let my guests and I take you away to Chill Town. And listen, people, I'm on the road. I want you to come to a show. I'm doing stand-up. Um, I'm, I'm working towards, as I mentioned, um, a special of some sort. I'm going to be taping a special. It's going to be in New York, December 8th. That's a Thursday night, Gramercy Theater. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be, I, you know, a sp- recording a special that, you know, and I'm paying for it. I, I'll be open and honest with you. It does feel like I'm throwing my own birthday party a little bit. Hopefully someone comes around with a bag of money to make me whole again but you know really what makes me whole is you and your laughter so um the link might be out by now so if it is december 8th gramercy theater and on the in in heading towards that i'm going you know I'm, i'm i'm you know i'm rocky i'm in the gym i'm getting ready for it so i'm in these places with pretty much a worked out 45 minutes that you know, that has some fat to it that I'm trying to cut out. So if you're listening right now, I'm going to be in, um, it's looking like, I think, Albany, New York, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, Baltimore, Maryland, Richmond, Virginia, Boston, Massachusetts. I added a second show, Miami, Florida for Thanksgiving. That's right. You can get away from your annoying family and be with annoying me on Thanksgiving weekend. So jaredfree.com for tickies. Also, we have an Instagram account for this podcast. I want you guys to follow the Instagram account at jtrainpodcast. I'm putting all the clips there. And you know what that does? Honestly, it's a service. Because I don't think you're going to listen to every J Train episode, but might let it come across your feed. Oh my God, there he is! That looks like a fun episode, and we got a fun episode today. I'm very excited about today's guest, hilarious comedian Ruby Carp. Thank you for coming on. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm pumped to have you here. Um, you're, you know, for anyone at home at Ruby Carp on Instagram, go follow hilarious comedian. You, I, I mean. 
I've been hearing your name swirl around for a while. How old are you, how old are you for the audience at home? Currently, I'm 22. 22. But you, I, I mean, I feel like you started stand-up at how old? So technically, I started at eight, but I didn't start my show until I was 12. So explain that. You're eight so, years yeah, old. Great question. How do you, I mean, I, and I'm sure you have to answer this every time someone speaks to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to get people to like, not like you immediately. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really, Why do you think that is? If you don't mind me interrupting. You know, comedy is the kind of art form that you need five years of being garbage at to mm-hmm. even get to the part where you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least like in your like groove of things. And a lot of people obviously don't start when they're eight. So I think a lot of people when they hear that are like, I wish I could have gotten those years out. Right. But I'm, I'm here to say that um, that doesn't apply when you're a child. It's uh, I feel like I'm like relearning everything 18 and up. Uh, well, it's like it's, a completely it's, different. It's funny, you, it's funny you say that. I guess you're right. There's, there's a mix. There's a bad mix for you there's there's envy because people go oh my god if i had started at eight i'd be you know uh, a genius at 10 and then i wouldn't be dealing with the shit i'm dealing with at 25 35 and so on down the line there's that envy right then there's the other aspect of you know comedy is someone telling you about their life and hoping you relate to it so they're going well, who the fuck is going to relate to me at eight years old? And 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 you go, and and honestly, that's not what you're. Tr- you're not trying to tell people. You're, it's not like you're going on stage and being like, "Listen, let me tell you how you should be living." I don't. I've seen you. You don't do that. But I, <laughs> I, I think people assume that of their stand-ups, and that's where they get kind of you know they put their fists to the sky. A hundred percent. And it's like it's so interesting you say that because like when I was younger, so the way it all started was mm. my so going way back before I was born, my mom is a co-founder of the magazine Bust. Um, Bust? Which is like, yes. Okay. Feminist I feel like magazine. I've... Uh-huh. So started out as like a zine in the 90s. My mom was on the cover of the New Yorker with a bunch of Knicks players because they all made a million dollars and she made zero. Um, and they were like, the most impressive salaries in New York. And my mom was like the joke of the article, but it was actually really cool um, because what ended up happening with the zine was it ended up getting made into a magazine. But um, as we know, yeah, well, as we know, when three white women do anything involving feminism together, things are bound to go wrong. Okay, I, I didn't, I've never, that's not my That's not what you have experienced, <laughs> <No>. but <laughs> that's history it. shows. Okay, history okay. History shows us that three white women are not actually the voice of feminism. Um, okay. And luckily for my mother, at the time this was very upsetting for her, but um, they, she kind of got pushed out of the company when okay. she got pregnant with me. And um, my mom kind of had to do a whole career pivot. And but what was very cool about Bust was she got to interview a lot of like very cool women. Mm. And my mom is a very big comedy fan. So my mom started getting to know a lot of comedians. And my mom ended up pivoting into creative directing. She does ads. Um, And so like she's okay. She like had a whole life. But 
she met everyone through Bust. And then when UCB was created in like mm. the late 90s, my mom would just go hang out there like every single night. And then another story about my mother is that she's a single mom. She raised me by herself. So my mom was like a full-time working mom and had nowhere to put me growing up. So like my whole childhood, whether it was during the day or at night, my mom would leave me at UCB like all the time. So you're um, hanging at, you're at the office, you're under the desk, you're around yes. Amy Poehler, yes. you're around all these like, and at the time UCB, you know, that is where, that's the the, the fertile grounds of comedy. You know, people yes. are getting brought up there and they're waltzing in there at 21, 19, 20 and learning how to do their craft and then becoming huge megastars. Exactly. And what's crazy is when UCB started, it was not big and none of the people Mm -hmm. were big. But as you said, like it quickly became this like breeding ground for comedians. And I never saw it like that. I always just saw it as like, I've always been raised as like my family of friends, like my family. I have a big family, even though I'm not related to any of them. So a lot of the people at UCB were people I considered that, like people who help raise me and like babysit me when my mom can't watch me. It's it's funny. It's interesting. I'll insert myself into this a little bit because I'm a narcissist and it's called the J Train Podcast, but it's funny. Absolutely. It is funny that you say this because there's a time where UCB, that's, if you found yourself there, you really wanted to do comedy because you had to like figure it out. You had to go look in a newspaper. You had to go look through, you know, the, you know, go through the, what, whatever the, the, uh, the newspaper, but I'm, I'm, you know, the, the phone book, you Uh, know, and, and look up comedy improvise or whatever. And it's funny because I did UCB right at the height, like probably two, you know, when it became known by everybody. The people were already famous. The people were already like, well, I did my time at UCB. And then it became this like secondary you know, college, you know, degree type of place. You have and- to go. Like, if you don't do the four classes, <laughs> right. you're not a comedian. You didn't right. go to comedy school. Which is actually the least comedian thing you can do is to buy a certificate. Like, the most At, comedian thing. Right. Or go to college. Or, you know, the most comedian thing you can school. do is. Right. It, it, the most comedian thing you can do is go to the back of a bar and try to convince a bunch of bar flies that they should listen to your improv. You know, so when I got Absolutely. to UCB, and when I got to UCB, it, my class, I, so I took sketch writing, and I, I, and I'm happy I did it because I just wanted to learn. I was, I was selling life insurance. I didn't have any comedy background, and I was like, I've never even written a script. I didn't even know what that was. But I, I, I think my head was a little bit more level. Like I realized this was to learn. There were some because it was so famous at the time, and this is 2000. This is 2010. And, you know, Amy Poehler is the most famous woman, you know, comedian, not just one, a comedian alive. Uh, Tina Fey, these are all people from that group. People legitimately thought in my class that like, okay, when does Lauren Michaels come? And, you know, like when does, I guess, you know, who do we hand this script to? And I was like, oh God, like you could tell like the, it, it was over for yeah. that. You know, it wasn't the the heyday. P- 
people weren't getting plucked from obscurity from there. And they had sketch, they had improv, they had, and I took, I remember I took improv at Chicago City Limits, which was like only because they had availability. Like you couldn't get into the improv class at, 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 uh, what's it called? At, UCB UCB you couldn't get it you couldn't get in it was it was booked for years and months it was so hard sell out in two seconds and do you want to know it's so so interesting you say that because I say this all the time it's not necessarily a bad thing but comedy is more oversaturated than it has ever been right like ever before like I in in my lifetime in the 22 years I've been alive I went from seeing people like be like improv is a joke and like not in a funny way like they were like improv is literally a joke right and right then now it's like everyone's like come see my improv show i know and like, tiktok and reels <laughs> and it's just like it's there's so much like i do comedy as opposed to like in my eyes i never viewed comedians to be famous people or like right. i was always like comedians are like the working man's actor you know sure. like Grinding it out, hustling it out, yeah. You know, always connecting with people in small rooms, like maybe in some movies, but that's not what it's about. And like, I always saw it as this like big thing, but now it's almost like you're like, how? I'm like, I'm doing 10 shows a week. I run two shows at X, Y, and Z theater. And like normally that would like be enough back in the day to get people to see you. But now it's like, I have to be doing that. I have to be doing, like, it's like, it's kind of fun in a way. Right. If you're a workaholic like me, uh, because you're just like, I'm constantly grinding. I'm constantly getting better. When I do get like my big moment, I'll be at my best. Right. Uh, and- but it can also, as a comedian who all comedians are depressed, we know this, like, obviously your morale gets very low. It's it's a very interesting time. It's in, It's funny because... You know, when you're born around it, you grow up in it, and and then you have to step outside of it and see, you know, you're at the age at 22 where, okay, people are moving to the big city. You're, you, you haven't even met your peers yet, as weird as that is. Like, I remember I was 25 when I started, and I remember being at open mics with people now, you know, like, you know, I met all, you know, at open mics, you meet, you know, the people, people that- People become big. That people, you know, to the point where it would sound like I'm name dropping and you go and you go and, you know, that is, you know, you, you end up loving those times, you, you know, and being appreciative of those times and you, while you're in it, you're like, why isn't it happening faster and all that stuff. But it is. And then you wrote a book. Yes. I, God, I did everything I could to get into Yale and I did not get in. You didn't Um, get into Yale. Where did you go to school? I went to Emerson. So Emerson is for the people at home listening. This isn't a comedy nerd podcast. You know, this is we have a people that don't really know the world. But Emerson is like where you can major in stand up comedy, and you, and you yes. did that. Yes, amazing. So I love I was it. Like I'm not going to waste my money on a private college if I'm not going to major in something I actually want to learn about. Listen, I listen. Having now if in knowing you. That was the hardest part about graduating for me was I didn't know. And, you know, you and to me, that's a gift. That's a blessing. That's amazing. And I do understand there's probably people you meet that are just assholes from minute one. And I get that, too. I, I yeah. listen. I see their side, too. So what does your mom think now of you doing 
stand up and being in New York and being around this? Like, is she scared? I'm sure she's scared because moms are just generally scared. scared of everything. General, and she's Jewish. So it's just okay. like always right like, on edge. <laughs> um, but I think so my mom I, and, you know, I'm, I'm working on my own hour about this. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom is kind of like a stage mom, but okay. not in a bad way. Just in that she she is kind of the reason why I consistently stayed in comedy, like as a uh-huh. performer, um, because I went to LaGuardia. I went to acting school. So I was like, so you went I'm to the school, p- the fame school, the school yes. that is famous for being um, where you go to like do your craft, which again, a blessing, a gift. You're already, you don't have to do the UCB class to learn how to write a sketch script. I get that's great. You, or like I experienced a sketch because like drama school in itself is like a comedy. It's right. so scary in the moment, but then looking back, it's like, I have so many stories to tell. Um, but I, when I was younger, I was like, so I'm going to be on Broadway. Like that's obvious. Um, mm-hmm. And something that like, people told me but I was like they're just jealous um I was tone deaf like I couldn't sing um Mm. and like something about Broadway is that you can't really do that if you can't sing you might have to sing yeah yeah you might have to do that so I like realized halfway through high school I was like maybe I should actually pursue comedy full time um and that's when I really started like honing in on it um but other than that the book was all about all of this essentially was to get into an Ivy League college because mm-hmm. I was just like, wouldn't that be impressive? Wouldn't uh, that get get me ahead? I mean, this is you're hustling you know? already uh, right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. So, or it's like, I mean, that's what happens when you have a Jewish single mother in New York City. Those are the three hustlers of the world: like a Jewish <laughs> person, a mother, and then a New Yorker. Like, so. I have to, I, so, okay, we're going to get a lot of questions and I'm, I'm excited to answer with you because I want your 22 year old perspective because I do think it's interesting to hear, you know, I'm 37 and I'm out there talking about dating, but like, we're going to get questions about dating. What's your dating life like? Is it, does it exist? Do you, do you, you know, do you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you know, what's going on in your life? So I've been in a relationship for three years. Okay, good for you. What, and, thank and you. How did you got? Is it comedy related? Is it? No, thankfully, um, I met him in college. I met him at a party, and he's lovely. He's from New Jersey, which you know is normally a red flag, right? But <laughs> he's amazing. Like he's he's fantastic. He is so nice to me. I was someone who growing up was just like I. I don't feel like I could date someone because I don't know if someone could like actually treat me nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, And he does that. He's amazing. And we live together. You live together. So you are, let's get life started. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm excited for you. This is amazing. Keep saying, we're going to get to the emails. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. We're here with Ruby Carp. At Ruby Carp, go follow. She runs a fantastic show that is every month at the stand. It's called We Hope You Have We Hope You Have Fun. Yes. That's it. We hope you- I wrote We Hope You Have, and I didn't write fun at the we end. Just but hope I did you have Yeah, something. So Make I 
Right. So we hope you have fun. I did the show, so I will give my personal stamp of approval. If you want a fun night at the stand, go to their website. Go directly to Ruby Carp Show. It's going to be fantastic. Um, and does so does he? What does he do? What does your boyfriend do? So my boyfriend is actually just getting into open mics himself because oh no, he, this is the beginning of the end. This is it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because. So he's he does he was a film major, so he's been taking photos of my show since we started dating. Okay, uh, and he's like, if see- these idiots can do it, then I can do it. Yeah, um, like honestly, yeah. Like at a certain <laughs> point, he's like, he's seen so many pass through that he's like, can I like just try it? Uh, sure. And so I'll, we'll go to open next times, and he does well. There you um, go. You know, I would tell him if he was bad, I would be like you shouldn't do that. Like you're just another white man doing comedy, but he's not, he's good. There's good and bad to it. There's, you guys can spitball of each off each other. And then there's like the other thing of like, you know, you have to put your, your, your ego aside and they get booked to something. You go good for you. You get booked to something. They have to go good for you. That that's tough in itself, but you know, it's a, it's it almost makes it. So you have to communicate. Exactly. Which especially when you live together is something you already have to do but it helps he wants to be a musician that's like his end goal and mm-hmm. he, he's in he works as an assistant to a music agent love it so you guys yeah. are both hustling you're both out there yes. love it so let's get to the emails you ready ruby right absolutely jtrain podcast at gmail.com am i so this is on the subject of age am i too old for him should i take this as a loss Jared, an esteemed guest. Feather, feather, thank you for all you do. I'm 28 female dating 22 male. So you're going to be an expert on a 22-year-old male for this person. We have been together. There we go. So we have been together on and off for the past three years. He ticks a lot of my boxes and is the first person I feel real connection with. However, I worry he is too young for me. We are very compatible in many ways, but I feel like for the first time in our relationship, we are going down different roads. We have tried dating other people, but always find our way back to each other. He knows my love languages and is a good boyfriend to me. However, I can't help but feel like this age gap is going to cause a lot of issues in the future. Finances are an issue. Also, uh, but all, but I cannot blame him as he has had uh, hasn't had as long as I have to establish himself. He earns a decent amount, but I do earn more. I do want to settle down and start the next chapter of my life, but I feel like I'm taking his twenties away. He is the first person I have dated that is significantly younger than me. Therefore, not too sure how to navigate this. A lot of my friends do not know his real age, partly because when we first started dating, I didn't think it would last long. But here we are now, three years later. Am I crazy for thinking this will be a successful relationship? Should I just stop wasting my time and move on? Or do I stick this out if there's something really there? Ruby, what do you think? Any thoughts? Okay. First of all, you're through the worst of the years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sure. she, they started dating when he was like, what, 19, 18? Like, 19. Yeah. 19 if we're going to go high end. Yeah. Like, those are by far the worst years of the years that could come, in mm. my opinion, especially for like a boy. I mean, I have changed so much. Like, I do not want anyone to know who I was when I was 18 because like that I, is a either. different woman, you know? Right. Right. Like, I, I don't do want anyone to know when her. I was, I don't want anyone to know what, a, who I was at 28 and exactly. it's all out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, 
you know what, if like you're nervous about the, like what's to come, I'm kind of like, I feel like it can only get better from here. Like he's only going to have to just like get more grown up. Sure. Um, but at the same time, I will say, I don't, I can't vouch for how mature 22 year old men are. Yeah. That I cannot vouch for, but I, my not very, very mature. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but there are exceptions to the rules. You know Always. what I'm saying? Always. Mm -hmm. But is he the exception? Like, I don't right. know. We don't have enough information on this to know if he's the exception to that rule. I also feel like you guys could be finding your way back to each other just because you're comfortable and you know each other and you know things about each other, but you haven't been in a like long term relationship like that doesn't be on and off. I agree with that. I, you know, as far as usable like reasons, that's not a usable reason. We find our way back to each other is you guys are a crutch. You could be so a crutch for each other. Yeah. So I, I don't find that as like a usable like, oh, well, you're meant to be if you come back to each other. No, that is two people that find comfort in one another. That does not mean you guys are ready for each other. I, you know, the, I think the most important part of her email is when she writes, I do want to settle down and start the next chapter of my life. Yeah. Now. And then it's funny because then the next part of the sentence is the least important, but I feel like I'm taking his 20s away. Well, he's an adult who can make his own decisions exactly. on whether his 20s should be taken away from him or not. You you know, and everyone wants their version of their 20s. You're living with your boyfriend. Like some exactly. people would say, I'm not ready. That's you know. what I was about to say. I'm like, you you don't have to be like, to be in your 20s, you're like, I have to be single. Like it's right. like, no, you can like experience a lot of things through life in a relationship. I, it's more that it's just like, if, like for me, I do want to marry my boyfriend, but I mm. don't want to get married young. So I am like, I know where I want to be, but I'm okay waiting to be there. But that's a huge point that you're making that I think this person needs to hear because you and your boyfriend are on the same page as far as like, you're like, I do want to get married to this person, but let's keep it rolling. I'm in no rush. The, you know, I got things to do. I want to be, you know, getting good at comedy. I want to be pursuing my, my craft. This person, if you're saying, I want to settle down, and you're looking at someone, he, and like, I, I think you need to like impart that to him. And you have to own that you want it. And kind of, and I don't think at 22, you're fully formed yet. And, no. I, and, and, and I think at 28, you're, I mean, more formed, but also the, like the fact, I mean, Honestly, I just told this whole story to you. I was 25 when I left my job to do comedy, and I didn't even know what that even meant. So, like, I mean, I mean, I think there's growing up to do from 22 to 25 that, like, again, you started at 19 with this person. To me, I don't think this is it. I, I, I and and I can't. I'm, I'm not going to tell them to break up with someone, but I'm going to say. If you know, let's let's do the math. When do you want to be married latest? If I was this person, I would go. I want to be married latest, and and not to say that that's a failure if you don't get there because it might not happen. But with this person that you're with right now, because I do think people have shelf lives that you're with. Like the relationships have shelf lives, not you as a person. So like, if I was this person, I'd be like. Okay, you and I, if we're together, if I, if I turn 30 and we're not married, will I resent this? 
Will I feel like this is holding me back from my 30s? Not his 20. Fuck his 20s. Be a little selfish now. Who cares? Right. So I, I think this person is kind of using being good to them as a way of not admitting that they want things now. Absolutely. And it's also like, look, I... <clears throat> I at 22, I don't have money to pay for a wedding. Like that's right. like number one, first of all. But it's also just like, literally like ignore this man. Like go find a man who like has a job and makes money and like, you know what I mean? Like I'm just right. kind of like, are you associating your emotions with this person based on like nostalgia of when you met or like how you felt at a certain time when you were dating, but you don't feel that way anymore. Like it's like, there's so much that could just be like you in your head about this that I'm like, just try Tinder a few more times. Right, and I, I don't want to be offensive to them, but I do feel that if you're 25 and you're dating an 8, 19-year-old, you have to wonder, you know, what you are afraid of. Because I, because I, honestly, like... Mm. It's 22, 25, because at 28 now, three years ago, she's 25. Jared, so it, watch out. The, the age gap police is going to come for you. Well, the age, well, this is the thing. Well, let them come. Turn okay. on the sirens because. Okay, they're coming. I I would believe, so 25 to 19, that's six years. Six years is very different, 25 to 19, than 36 to 30. Yeah. I I have been on wonderful dates with 30-year-old women. There's no they're more mature than me. They're doing great. Don't worry about them. 19-year-old man, quote unquote, you have to and then you go we're on and off for 3 years. Why do you go to someone that young? You know, I you have to take a look in the mirror. This isn't just in a vacuum of like, yeah, we're six years apart. No, 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 not all six years are the same. So I think this person is doing a lot of outsourcing their personal problems onto someone else that makes them feel good about themselves. And I would unpack that. that I think that's a necessary thing. Yeah, and I think you you really should keep in mind like why, like when he was 19 and he met a 25-year-old, how did he view you? You know what I mean? Like right. he must have viewed you as this like, older sexy woman like taking right. a chance on a young guy and it's like right. that's you know what i mean like that definitely affected his perception of the relationship and it's and all it, it's all legal like we just had this adam yeah. levine thing come out yesterday and and then okay. the woman this is so off topic but i for so this is like how much of like i i, I literally need to like i'm so illiterate i'm like leo michelle right now like i kept reading it and I was like, is everyone just spelling her name wrong? It's Summer. And then I was like, no, I'm literally, I literally can't read. Her name is Sum Sumner. Sumner, yes. I which I think is very I've I've met Jews with that name before, I think. Jewish? If I think so. But I, I on the topic of Adam Levine, you know, in her claims she's saying she was manipulated. Yeah. And listen, that's a very serious claim. And she didn't say she was underage, which we don't know. I don't know. But I'm saying, you know, in this scenario, there's manipulation going on. And, there's a power dynamic. There's a power dynamic. And and like this person who's like, well, I'm 28 and they're 22. And we always come back to each other. And we started three years ago. You go, I, I you, you have to, oh, there's a little 
siren that goes off in my mind that goes, what made you off and on with a 20-year-old who couldn't drink J-Train yeah. podcast? Oh, my God. Imagine going on a date with someone and then being like, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I only have a fake. Like, yeah, it's a little, I would just be like. Something's like, off. I'm, I Like the the will from Stranger Things. The, like I'm just like crying <laughs> in the back of the car. Like, my name Get ready for underwear so comfy it's scary. MeUndies are so comfortable it feels like you have nothing on. You'll have to double check that you're wearing them at all. Get 20, 20, 20% off your first purchase with free shipping and free returns when you go to MeUndies.com slash JTrain. I love MeUndies. Uh, they've been a sponsor here for years, and what they have done for me has made it so I never am just dealing with a pair of underwear that I don't like because I like them all and I can keep refreshing right now. And I've said this many times. You have a you have a lineup. You have a, an underwear you like to wear, an underwear you, you kind of like to wear, the underwear you don't think of. And then there's one that you're dealing with on on laundry day. Put that one in the garbage. Be good to yourself. Get into MeUndies and it's going to be your your top underwear in no time. And plus, spooky season is here. And so is the latest Halloween collection by MeUndies. So you can switch up your look. Grab undies, socks, and bralettes made from their feels like you have nothing on micromodal fabric. And if you need a last-minute costume, transform into a spooky skeleton with their loungewear set, Lazy Bones. I love that. Match with your boo or your fur baby in size from extra small to 4XL to make it your softest Halloween yet. The scary soft hype is real, everyone. If you're not impressed with MeUndies, your first pair is on us. That's a promise. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash JTrain. That's MeUndies.com slash JTrain. Everyone has that pair of shoes, the one that's too nice or fragile to wear outside. For versatile shoes that are stylish and still feel comfortable, shop Rothy's. They're seamless knit designs look and feel great right out of the box no break in period with so many colors that work season after season transitioning to a new fall look is easy with Rothy's shoes I I wear them I love them I I'm, a, I'm in Boca for the holidays uh, I went to you know my parents club and I wore the driving shoe it was young but it looked good and it was stylish I didn't have my mom on top of me they were comfortable I didn't have to put on you know, annoying dress shoes that were going to give me blisters because I wore them once. These are beautiful shoes that are going to last because you can pop them in the, in the, into the wash and you can have them refreshed and ready to go. Rothy's bestseller, The Point, was named Best Flat by People Magazine. And they also make insanely comfortable sneakers, loafers, ankle boots, and more. With so many styles, you'll never have to worry about getting brand new shoes each season ever again. Get stylish shoes, versatile and durable enough to wear all the time with Rothy's. Get 20, 20, 20, $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash JTrain. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash JTrain. JTrain podcast at gmail.com, JTrain podcast at gmail.com. Here with Ruby Carp at Ruby Carp. Go follow on Instagram. Advice to meet guys while tailgating at football games. Okay, this might be tough for you to relate to. I know at Emerson... I've never been to a tailgate. Not a big football school, maybe a big Quidditch school. Yes. They might have the the, the Quidditch. They did have a Quidditch team, actually. (laughs) Jay trying to guess. I listen to the podcast every week, including you up, and you always give great advice that's really helped me and my friends throughout the years. I have a topic I don't think has been discussed before and thought you would have a good take on it. 
I'm a 33-year-old woman living in the greater Los Angeles area, and I love football. Specifically, I love USC football and tailgate for every home game and have been doing so since I graduated 10 years ago. I really would like to meet a guy that also goes to the games as much, uh, goes to the games as, much as I do. While tailgating seems like the perfect place to do that, I haven't had much luck. I think it's mostly due to the fact that I host my own tailgate, which doesn't also, uh, always give me a ton of leeway to go and wander about to other people's tailgates. Do you have any ideas how to interact with guys as they pass by or if they are at nearby tailgates at usc i tailgate on campus so there aren't any cars between tents which makes it easier to scope things out at least but i still don't know how to strike up conversations with people passing by i'll take any and all ideas thanks for all you do sincerely more tailgates more problems what do you think ruby Carr? okay first of all i love a girl boss she mm-hmm. was like i'm gonna make opportunities for myself i will mm-hmm. throw a tailgate i'm not gonna attend someone else's gonna get something done do it myself love that yep i i feel like even if it is your own tailgate that's kind of actually the best excuse to meet someone like people show up to parties or tailgates all the time that they weren't invited to i am sure plenty of guys show up who were not invited you could be like what are you doing in my house Right, right. (laughs) Well, here's what I would say. I have tailgated at USC. I know exactly where she's tailgating. I know exactly what it's like. It's very much a tent situation. It's very much... It's very much on the quad. It's very much like people walking by. There's a lot of foot traffic. So she's in good, she's in a good territory. Here's what I would say to her. As someone who was once the tailgate czar for my fraternity, I am... That makes sense. I am. That checks out. I, I, I am. I, I am. I have planned a tailgate or two. Planning the tailgate is both good and bad because you're the host, so you have a lot of responsibility. You got to put everything out, and a lot of people come to you, and your time is kind of wasted. But here's the other thing. That means you get to plan it out. So you get in control of what gets put out, what's what's going to happen. You people look to you as a beacon. Here's what I would say. Flip Cup is a great communal game. Yes. Ruby, I'm looking to you as our 22-year-old correspondent. Are there new games that have been played at college that you have played? Because I think games are the answer. Because what yes. you do is yes. you go, because f- now you get the table, you get a big plastic table, you go Flip Cup time, and then you go to the, the road that people are walking by on. We need five men. I got five women that are looking to flip cup. We need five men. We need five dudes. We need five family members. Make it into a family feud situation. Easy. They will say yes. Absolutely. And now you're inviting them in to your booze, to your party, and then you start playing against each other. Now your heart. Exactly. Now you can start feeling each other out. Oh, that guy over there giving me eyes. That person over there, oh, is is getting competitive. And I would make some sort of drink that is like easy. So the drink isn't too alcoholic. So I would say the because if you're doing flip cup with tequila, you might as well bring a cot for you to take a nap on once you're done. No, you need something that's like light on booze, like just flavorful so that you can play a bunch of games and get to know these people that you're inviting in. And I will say this, if I was walking by a tailgate and they go flip cup, you know, even if you had a sign out that said flip cup at two, you know, any and all takers and now inviting people to challenge you, 
That's a great idea too. And the reason I say flip cup is because it's five on five. It's six on six. So now you have a group of people instead of just this one-on-one like, hey, want to chug a beer with, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not not enough, not too much pressure on you Mm -hmm. to like start a conversation, but also enough to get like the eye contact in. Mm -hmm. And like, by the way, everyone knows what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, no one's like, yeah, we're all just playing this game. Like, it's like, no, we all know that we're like gears are turning in our heads. We're like making plans. Like, I completely agree. I also say, never doubt the classics. Beer pong, beer pong's great. I would also get a fun beer bong of sorts. I think like, you know, the beer bong is classic tailgate fodder and also comes with its own, you know, group of people that people hate on. But the beer, no one can really resist a beer bong. It is a challenge. It's Mount Everest. So it's the, the funnel. So you take the, (laughs) you really did go to Emerson. Yeah. It's the funnel. That, you know, and, you know, if, if people are walking by and you're like, we're beer bonging my special Trojan blend because they're the USC Trojans. So you can say that you make a drink, you make the Trojan stew or whatever your drink is, name it after the, the you know, the, the mascot. Now you're saying to people you are inviting a challenger to your Everest. I just think games and also because you're the person yeah. who plans the party. You can have these things ready. Like I, what I love exactly. doing when I was the tailgate czar, I would have like, you would unveil things as the day went on and people would go, what's coming next? So I used to wear Elvis wig with overalls and nothing underneath. So I was just naked in overalls and then an Elvis wig that was like foam. So there would be like every now and again, I would do a chug from the wig beer from the hair so i would get on one knee and i would take the hair because it was foam and i'd turn it over and we'd pour a beer on it into it and i would get on one knee and chug from the hair and everyone would be chanting beer from the hair so it was like that was like you know when you have you ever been to vegas ruby of course so you go to Vegas, you go to the Bellagio Fountain is every hour on the 50 minute. So if you have something that every hour on the 50 minute, your tailgate beer from the hair, it's shotgun time. It's funnel time. It's it's a, you know, I would say every 50 minutes you have your own version of the Caesars Palace show in the middle of the, you know, the uh, the mall, you know, when the yeah. when the when the statues come alive. Like, I think that that would be because that invites everyone to go, what's going on over here? And now you've brought over new people. Exactly. And Jared, I think under comedian as like your yeah. top achievement, you should put tailgate king. Czar, Tal- king of kings. Czar. King of Kings, because that was the most impressive story I think like you've ever told me. Like that was crazy. Like right. you, you were a god. In uh, well, I we used to make and we would have food. We do theme weeks. We would do. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. You should tell everyone to dress up because the way I met my boyfriend was at a Halloween party and we started talking because of our costumes. Love it. Costume week. Let's create your own themes. That was always big for us. We do theme weeks and people would come in costume for Halloween. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. We did a turkey. You know, if you do themes, people generally, 
you know, it, it's easier. You're, it you're not, it's a marketing campaign too. Mm-hmm. Jtrainpodcast yeah. at gmail.com, jtrainpodcast at gmail.com here with Ruby Cart. I'm imagining you and the frat just like a marketing team of like frat boys, just like, okay, so this weekend we're we're posting on these socials, we're telling oh, everyone to bring these well, costumes, like I'm, it's a I'm, whole it's, team. It's sad to say this is pre-social media. Facebook came out while I was in college. Like the idea of like promoting on socials didn't even exist i'm sorry you're handing out flyers flyer no we didn't even do that we 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 would take off i would take off friday from classes and we would go to the market and we would pick up um breakfast items we made a famous cheese dip that people knew as our cheese dip um we would get three types of chicken We'd get um, a food of the week. We did a pork tenderloin that we would end the day off with that we this always undercooked. Like a job. It, like no, you leg- guys, leg- full chefs. They don't call you czar for nothing. Okay, let's yeah. go. Legally single. Avid listener, I'm 30 years old and I work a corporate marketing job. I've been dating my girlfriend for five years and living together for about three and a half years. We went to the same high school, but didn't run in the same circles. We met again as adults seven years later. When we first started, I was coming off a separate five-year relationship, so things started slow. My girlfriend has been openly asking for a marriage proposal for the last two years. From the get-go, I have made it clear that I've never wanted to ma- never wanted marriage, and I have continually pushed back on the conversation. I do not want to get married. Children aren't a part of the plan. Uh, which is something she strongly agrees with. At first, I explained to her that I'd prefer to spend money on travel. That that bought me a couple of years. More recently, though, we went to four weddings in the last year, and wedding fever has her bringing it up more and more. At the new year, I received a hefty bonus and decided it was time to buy my first home. This was a difficult process. as I wanted to do that solo, and that didn't go in as I wanted to do that solo and didn't go in on the house together. Going this route meant that we couldn't get a home as nice as if we had joined finances. This decision and scenario has become a point of contention as I'm now her boyfriend and landlord, essentially. I have been trying to keep finances fair, fair considering I earn 33% more than her. She pays a third of the mortgage payment, which is a 25% decrease from what we each paid for our previous rental. I'm putting a lot of work and money into our new home uh, while I'm trying to settle in. I find that she is complaining a lot about not liking our new home. I suggested and encourage her to enter the housing market herself, at which point I can then rent out my house, which that with that said, I do not suspect she'll afford a nicer home and we likely wouldn't make either of us happier. Between the lack of proposal and the new house going under my name, I know she is feeling both insecure as though she is falling behind in life. I am not spiritual and don't feel compelled to marry anyone. I do not see myself getting married. Should I break off, break it off and encourage her to find someone who also wants to get married? I don't want to spend my days with someone who is discontent. Uh, I fear that I've put us in an impossible situation. Sometimes it feels like I'm sticking together just to avoid what I would expect to be a gruesome decoupling. Thanks, Legally Single. What do you think? Okay, I think this man legally needs to break up with this woman. Um, I agree, yeah. Like, absolutely i i mean Mm -hmm. like i i don't really think he provided a reason for not wanting marriage it kind of just seemed like his like hard line um there's a famous movie called he's just not that into you that is very good that has a whole storyline about this and ben affleck ends up compromising for jennifer aniston because he can't live without her 
and right. they end up living happily ever after. But it doesn't really seem like this guy is willing to Ben Affleck this. Well, you bring up a, a let me take something that you just said because okay. I think it's important. This guy sounds like he can live without this woman. Yeah. And that's what he has to admit to. This email is very cold. It's yes. very cold. It's very business like. Right. It's um and there's a few he was lines like best in here. Husband. Well, it's interesting that she he he writes um, I'm putting a lot of work and money into our new home, but everything else Not. in the email is written as my home. She is my tenant. Um, finances separately. And listen, he isn't wrong, which is why he's writing this. He is, yeah. you know, in the land of, if he wants to live in the land of black and white and right and wrong, he is not wrong. I And I will say that to him. That's how he enters his arguments with her. But yeah. what you said is correct. Like, it's almost like you, you, like a police officer needs to come in and be like, you're this person, you're taking... I, I don't want to say taking advantage, but you're wasting this person's time and they are holding not strong. You're holding her hostage. You're holding her hostage. Yes, I, 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 that's exactly. Ruby, you're totally right. You're holding her hostage and she is obviously not strong enough to break free from you. And you are act you you actively know this. That's the problem. Is like when you write this email, you read it and you go, he knows everything that's going on and he knows he's actively giving her what she, not giving her what she wants. So now you're a part of this. The percentages, I was like, you know too much. Like when you right. know that you make 33, exactly 33% more than her, right. it, break it up, break up. It's time to break up because now you're in a business, right now what they're in is in a business um like a contract situation they're they're like they're not even a couple like and part of being a couple is like you know and i know this sounds hokey and whatever it's becoming one entity not yes. not me it's we what are we doing this weekend what are we going to do with the house are we going to do redo the basement and you know, you had an opportunity. And again, like some people don't want to get married. That's There's nothing wrong with that. But when you had an opportunity to kind of couple yourselves financially with this house, you opted out. So that meant you wanted to be able to leave it because you didn't really need to be in it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think he's got to end this. And he says, and look at, he even says at the end, I fear that I've put us in a pop. So he knows it's his fault. He knows he's taken this too long. And he writes, sometimes it feels like I'm sticking together just to avoid what I would expect to be a gruesome decoupling. So that's exactly what you're avoiding. And it's time yeah. to like, and it's time to look at, look her in the eye and go, hey, um, I'm sorry. This isn't the right thing for me. And it's not about her wanting marriage. You have to admit, this isn't Something's rela- not working. This is yeah. not the relationship for me. Mm-mm. I would never like. I, I would if my. I would. I don't. I can't even imagine my like thinking of my boyfriend writing that email about me or vice versa. Like I wouldn't like all the phrasing is just very like. This is not someone who, as you were saying, is seeing this other person as his like one like same person. And listen, what I, I'm happy you're on the show, Ruby, because I think at 22. You're more romantic than practical. And Absolutely. that's the fun part about being 22. Exactly. That's the great part. Um, you know, I think this person wrote in a very practical, practical. <laughs> yeah. email. 
and he needs to understand that the romance. there's romance and he might not believe in it now, but there, I think he has to believe that like there's going to be so, and also there's going to be someone else that comes along that makes him want an ounce more romance, you know, and he has to do that for himself. And, and that's speaking a little bit selfishly to someone who's and the other thing he writes, I've been dating my girlfriend five years and living together for about three and a half years. Same high school, but didn't run in the same circles. We met again as adults seven years later. When we first started, I was coming off of a separate five-year relationship. So here's the thing. Again, we said to the person who was dating the 19-year-old, they had to look inside of themselves and wonder, why am I dating why a 19-year-old? Why are you, this guy, um, going from a five-year relationship to another five-year relationship with someone who you shared easy memories with. It's easier to date someone from high school. You know the same teachers, the name, same street signs. You didn't go to the open market. You didn't do the thing where you meet someone out of thin air and have to get them from minute one. So I, I, I'm. let's wonder why. Well, this Go is to the, the thing. Big Apple. What do you? Well, what are you afraid of? So it seems like he's afraid of failure, which I am too. We all are. We all but, are. But that's why he won't couple up with this person, who he doesn't believe is his person. So yeah. I, I, I think, I he's got to end this. Yes, I completely agree. J Train Podcast at gmail.com. J Train Podcast at gmail.com. Here with Ruby Carp. Go follow. Go follow. So funny, hilarious. It's got a great show. We hope you have fun. It is at the stand once a month. Go get tickets to the show. I just did it. Loved it. Move in mistake. Hello, J Train and guest. I'll try to keep this between thumb and index finger box length. That's how I describe emails, Ruby. I say keep it to this. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash Jared Freed, you can see what I mean by that. Okay. My boyfriend and I have been together for a year and a half, long distance for the first year, and I moved in with him this past April. I knew there would be a lot to adjust to, new job, new city, seeing each other every day versus once a month, etc. I went from living in a large Southern California city with a population of 1.5 million people to a smaller Northern California town of over 100,000 people. I miss big city life, my friends, and support system. My boyfriend and I agreed before I moved in that where we live now isn't our forever city, but but packing up both our lives to start somewhere new takes time and realistically won't happen for at least a year. Aside from that, I also miss having my own space. I used to have, uh, I, I was used to having roommates, but still had my own bedroom, bathroom, closet, mini fridge, kitchen space. Now everything is shared, and there's always someone to consider. Example, what to make for dinner, what groceries to pick up, how to spend time off work. I miss when we were long distance and I had my own life separate from my boyfriend. I don't want to break up, but how do you navigate take, uh, taking back moving into how do you navigate taking back moving in together sincerely domestic distress what do you think ruby you just moved in with your boyfriend how has that been okay so i actually moved in with my boyfriend six months into our relationship because of the pandemic so wow. i get it i trust so like, you and also you were kind of thrown into the fire yeah no it, it, like it wasn't like we like had a choice um mm -hmm. but part of it is it worked so well when we lived together that we didn't stop like we mm -hmm, ended mm -hmm. up dorming together at college um because because it's like a uh like politically correct college they couldn't tell us that we couldn't live together okay we were like we were like well gender can't defy 
us living together. Like, why Perfect. should I have to live with a woman? Um, <laughs> right. And they were like, oh, yeah, got right. us again. Yeah, yeah. got us there. Um, so, and it's like kind of been the best thing for our relationship because like I and him, we, we both love living together so mm-hmm. much. And that's coming from me, an only child, very independent, grew up in New York, single mother. Like I am, if not the most stereotypically independent type of person. What is, what's your group? What's your group of friends like? Do you guys share a group of friends? Do you have separate group of friends? Uh, we have separate groups of friends. Like right. I have my friends, but we all, I love his friends. He loves my friends. Like it's not, but I don't, we're not all part of the same crew. Well, th- this is the thing that I would say. W- w- and also one, what do you hate most about living with your boyfriend? Probably, you know, this little things like I'm like, oh, I cleaned up the past two days. Sure. So it's your turn. Like it's right. like petty stuff. But that's All the more sitcom stuff. Exactly. But that's also because I am like that petty where I'm like keeping tabs mm. of how much I do think. But that's because I'm crazy and that has nothing to do with him. Well, so, I don't think that's crazy. Everyone has a right to get annoyed and these things do come things, up. But- there's space. Uh, and uh, once again, I'm an only child. I've only ever grown up being in control of my own space. So, sure. of course, it's off. It throws me off when, uh, you know, there's like Coke cans on the floor. But that to me is like, if that's the biggest problem, I'm like, okay, yeah, we're good. Um, right. I think a big part of this email is I don't think they would be like, you know, it's funny. Like, it's, you know, like I read this email and they're like, I think going from big city with your friends and family to small town with just one person, that makes it so your home is the only place you can be. And you're kind of tethered to your home. And that's why it probably feels small and the walls are closing in on them. And then they get to the, you know, shared bathroom, groceries. You know, I, I think the this other stuff wouldn't be as big a deal if they were in... Your like hometown. Your hometown and had and she had like basically like a you know, islands she could go visit and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and hey, I'm doing a night with my girlfriends. Uh, I'll be you know, I'll see you tomorrow. That that's a more likely scenario in the city with all your friends and family than the one horse town that you're in now. And sh- the one thing she writes is that they're gonna be um that they can't move anywhere for a year. So the idea that picking up our lives and starting somewhere new takes time and realistically won't happen for a year. The first thing she needs to do is go talk to her boyfriend and let them know I am unhappy Mm -hmm. in the situation. That starts the conversation that and that doesn't break you up i think that's probably why she's like afraid of this conversation she's like she wrote how do you navigate taking back moving in together you're not taking you know when you write taking back moving in together that makes it like i didn't like you anymore right and and when if you take if you start at i'm just not happy in this situation i have no friends here like i don't know anyone here this isn't even a city like it's a small town and you and I have a hunch that because I'm in this small town and I don't have a lot of outlets, it's making me not like the moments of living together that I should be liking, which is what do we get for dinner? What should I get at the grocery store? Like, you know, like those things become more annoying when everything else 
is wrong. So like, I think this person is mixing everything together to be. So I, I, I would encourage them just start at I'm not happy right now or I'm uncomfortable right now because then it becomes instead of you're you force me to move here it becomes how can we fix this together what you know maybe it's you two taking a trip to the big town that you just came from maybe it's you taking a trip once a month you go instead of doing long distance with your boyfriend you do long distance with your hometown because you know with a boyfriend it gives you you go I have to go to you once a month or he has to come to me when it's no boyfriend you go I guess I'll go home when I go home. How about maybe you're planning once a month trips to get out of that house? Yeah, I don't know. I think there's more negotiation than they're giving it credit for other than I need to move out. I just, I got to undo the shirt, right? Yeah, this doesn't seem to be like it's like entirely about the relationship. Like it really does seem to be a lot about the circumstance and the circumstances can be changed. Yes, Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. Can we do one more, Ruby? You got time for one more? Yeah, totally. Awesome. Everyone go follow Ruby Carp. Let's do one more. I, I, this one, I just like the title, Gasp a Dive Bar. Are you a drinker, Ruby? I am much more of a smoker than I am a drinker, but I hmm. will have a drink if I'm out. What do, you have a, what do you have for a drink? Okay, so I hate the taste of alcohol, which is why okay. I don't drink. So I only like drinks that don't taste like alcohol. So I really like this one drink called the Blue Hawaiian, which is basically tastes like a virgin pina colada, but there's okay. alcohol in it. Love it. Okay, so hi, Jared. Hope you're doing well. Needing your opinion on the vibe leading up to the date. I haven't chatted too much with this guy, but he suggested coming to my neighborhood and getting a drink. I like how he took the initiative to come to initiative to come to me. However, picked a dive bar further north than I'd like with one dollar sign on Apple with one dollar sign on Apple Maps. How do you politely ask for a more elevated experience? Not saying I need to be taken to Europe for the first date, but at least something classy slash nice for convo, ambiance, and twenty dollar overpriced NYC cocktails. Do you think this would mean we're just not? the match in the first place thanks from nyc girl with apparently high standards what would you do in this scenario i i hear what she's saying i hear so ba- it i hear it so basically he's like hey i'll come to you and then he goes here's the spot and then the spot is you know an outhouse with a flashing <laughs> miller light sign right oh god i mean here's the thing i'm personally a fan of like a little down and out place i think that can I- be kind of fun Every and place has its moment, so, but I I do understand why her, that can be a little like, like first you don't date something nicer, yeah. Right. So I I, don't know. I think this is very telling of the two of you and right. how you are as people and what you guys think. Because like for me, my ideal date is to go to a bar that has arcade games because that's what I find fun. But I'm that's sure cool. that there is a person in this world who, if I was like, let's go to this place. They would be like, you want to go well, play arcade games? Right. Well, this is what, so here's what you do. I like, I, I'm, a, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of lying, but I think there's a good lie to tell here. And what you do is if someone came to me and was like, Hey, let's go here at eight. And I looked it up and I was like, ugh, I would go, I would give them another opportunity to make a choice. So, you don't want to tell because what she doesn't want to do is go not that place let's go to the Ritz Carlton lobby like she doesn't want to be that but she wants a nicer experience than the one being presented I would say to her and I think this is appropriate you 
everyone should want everyone comfortable on the date. Just say to them, when they say, hey, let's go to uh, Barnyard Bills, you go, listen, I, I, I thank you for choosing a place. I got to be honest, I was just there. The bathrooms were the most disgusting bathrooms that I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I had to hold my breath. Do you mind if picking another spot? Because I think that place should be shut down. So throw the place under the bus. He doesn't, you know, and at that point. They won't know. They don't know. And at that point, if they're like, well, that's where we're going. Okay, you're not a match. Because I don't think this is not a match territory. I think this is maybe two different types of people, maybe. But we don't know yet. You got to go for drinks. Maybe they chose it because they thought it would be fun and kitschy or whatever. You don't know. So just blame it on the bathroom. Nobody wants to go to a place where you can't breathe in the bathroom. Hey, I was there like two weeks ago. We walked in to use the bathroom. You couldn't breathe. It smelled like a st- like, like a skunk had describe diarrhea. Describe it in such detail that he's like, Jesus right. Christ, like right. nothing really happened here. A skunk ate um, a, a diarrhea, then had diarrhea that after having sex with a skunk. Yeah, you know, just say something crazy. Yeah, and he'll be like, "That's so true." Like I believe that. <laughs> yeah, right. It must be true, <laughs> or else sense. you wouldn't, or you, or else you wouldn't have gone into such such weird detail, detail. about right, it. Right. Yeah, it's like if she's being so specific about this, it has to be true. Right. And that's Jay where you Tra- get him. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. Ruby Carp, thank you for coming on. This was fantastic. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I am so happy you had a good time. I want everyone to go follow Ruby at Ruby Carp. Her show is We Hope You Have Fun. It's at the stand once a month. It's all over her Instagram, so go make sure to follow her. I'm Jared Freed. We're here every Monday with your emails. We'll be back next episode. Boom.